It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store. Like now, go. Welcome to part two of BBC Countryfile magazine's podcast with foraging hero and author Adele Nazida. Her books include The Hedgerow Handbook, The Garden Forager, and her most recent, Foraging with Kids. She also runs a foraging school in Clanfrinach, in the heart of the Brick and Beacons in Wales, where she offers a range of courses on identifying edible wild plants and fungi, then how to use them in delicious food and drink. My seven-year-old son Otto, my partner Juliet and I started our walk with Adele at popular foodie destination, the Angel Hotel in Nambergaveni. Catch up with us as we learn more about the amazing variety of edible plants in our countryside. So, what do you think is the best time of year to be? I mean, are there things that you can get all year round? Probably my favourite time of year is autumn because you've got berries and you've got fungi. Right. And those for me are kind of... And nuts. Yes. (laughs) So all those three things together, you know, um, all all pretty much within the same season. So I always say autumn is it. Yeah. Yeah. Having said that, when plants start coming through in the spring... You've kind of forgotten about some of them, and it's like seeing old friends coming back. Yes. <laughs> so I like that as well. Yeah. Um, I like all times of year, but my immediate reaction is you've got you've got berries, you've got fungi, and you've got nuts in the autumn. So I would say that's probably rich pickings. Yes. Yeah. You know? And here you see the tree here, which has no leaves on, mm-hmm. but lots of white flowers. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that is? No. That's blackthorn. blackthorn. <laughs> Easy way to identify it, even from a distance, because blackthorn blossoms mm. come on the plant before the leaves are there. Mm. Right. So it'll be the first thing you see with all that lovely fluffy white blossom. Yeah. Um, do you want to come and have a look at it? There's the bush that slows grow on. Slows are generally used for making slow gin. Mm. However, if you don't want slow gin if you're too young to drink slow gin <laughs> um, you can make a lovely juice just of the of the berries themselves okay. so cover them with water 
Yeah. Um, bring them to simmering point, let them go cold, and then press them through a sieve, which oh. takes a while, but the stones are quite big. Sure. Um, then just use that juice. Um, it's absolutely lovely. Yeah. So it's really lovely if, if you want to make it into a slow gin mm. just by using the juice. Okay. Or use it where you'd use cranberry juice. So it's great mm. in smoothies, for example, things like that. Okay. We tend not to Very use the slows for... It's not, do you know what? The first time I experimented with it and made it, I put sugar in thinking it was going to be really sour and it was too sweet. So I made another batch with none in whatsoever and it was naturally sweet. Admittedly, I do have quite a sweet tooth. I do mm. like sweet Me stuff. Me too. Really. <laughs> and I found it was perfectly lovely as a juice without any extra sugar in. Um, sure. mm. So that was something of a revelation because yes. I thought it was going to be toe-curlingly Yes. Sort of, Which you know, know. I thought all my cheeks, cheeks were going to get sucked in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the only thing about picking blackthorn uh, berries, I slows, mm. is the long spikes. There are very yeah. legs on these. Oh, gosh, yes. You really, ones, honestly, Otto, you need to be so careful, even though I would suggest wearing right. gloves yeah, before look, picking these. Yeah, these are the blackthorns, in fact. Mm. Um, a friend of mine who's a really gosh. excellent forager got one of these stuck gosh. in her finger and ended up in A&E mm, really? um, because yeah. there's something in them that um, is poison is can make it's your fingers go a bit septic which mm. you don't want mm. and so that's just the only thing to be careful of I'm not trying to make this a horror story but you know you have to go cautiously the other rule about foraging is never put anything in your mouth unless you know exactly what it is yeah. and also you know don't go foraging on people's on other people's land there is an interface between foraging and theft which is called mm. scrumping. Yeah, so scrumping is if, for example, there's an apple tree and the apples are growing over the side of the wall, then technically, technically speaking, you can you can have those because they're, they're over the other side of the wall. Mm. The polite thing to do, though, really, is to knock on the door and say, "Please, may I?" Mm. And I would say I've done that several times, and no one has ever said no. Mm. So it's just a nice thing to do, and you can make friends that way too. Mm. Although, if you are a young person, it's best to go with a parent. Yes, yes. or guardian. Yeah. Otto, have you ever eaten hawthorn leaves? This is hawthorn. Also known as may, may thorn. Are you brave enough to or white thorn? Yeah. Big boots, you'll be absolutely you'll be fine. Right. You'll be fine. Yep. Now, Oops, difficult as it might um, seem to imagine, there were days before we had cars and children would walk to school. Um, and frequently they would eat hawthorn leaves on the way to school. They were known as bread and honey leaves or bread and cheese. They have a content of calcium in them. Have, have a try, see what you think. <laughs> I can't mm. taste that at all. Me neither. It's just got a green taste. I, for me, it's Quite nothing bitter, to write actually. home about. Mm. But I've had people on walks that remember eating them as a kid and they're like, oh, we remember doing this. So it was a common thing. Um, and I just wonder if it was one of those things that children would do because they could, which has kind of gone into the annals of like folklore, really. Um, but the other folkloric thing about this particular tree, and I am interested in the stories that human beings tell about these uh, plants because it tells us about the relationship between human beings and the mm. natural world, mm. is that this was the tree belonging to the fairies. Mm. And if you've ever smelt one of these on a summer's day, the scent is transportive and you can almost imagine that it's from a, another part of the universe if you like um, and so with this particular tree you would give it all due respect and you would never cut this tree without asking permission okay. mm. how you got the permission I guess would be down to your own internal relationship with the plant <laughs> <laughs> it's been used for hedgerows because therefore it's a tree that does 
get cut. It's protect well, yeah. Yeah, but it also gets planted. Uh, we've got records um, of this of blackthorn and uh, hawthorn being grown in up in Scotland for six thousand years ago. Mm. So that would have been really early time as we were going from being hunters to gatherers, yes. and plants were preserved. Like juniper was also mm. preserved. So we saw juniper, and I think there's an awful lot of evidence we can get from um, hazelnut debris in the soil of, uh, as, as to um, how we were using plants and how we were clearing the land. So all these plants, pretty much every single plant that I've pointed out has been here for thousands of years. So we can't help mm. but have a relationship with it. Yeah. And if you think human beings are foragers, we are naturally foragers. Um, we've skipped a generation and a half. That's not much to be going back to something that is part of our genetic makeup mm. almost really mm. and if we say we've never been foraging i always say to people how about blackberries and they think that blackberries don't count because they're too easy yes <laughs> <laughs> and what i want to point out to people is that all the things that are really easy yeah are the things that were are most important so if we go through this gate here then we can go down to the river um well yes just because they're easy doesn't mean um they're not um, valuable valuable exactly <laughs> and we want the rare stuff we always yeah. want the exotic don't we yes for yeah. example um, when we were talking about the elder tree um, there's been clinical trials on elderberries uh -huh. which have shown that they have an incredibly high content of something called anthocyanins okay and in fact I did a, a thing for country file about um, flu cures mm -hmm. and um, you know remedies for that mm. so you can now buy a proprietary elderberry um, tonic, which okay. costs about £13. It's called Sambucol. Or you can trip into the meadows yeah. <laughs> and hedgerows and make your own yeah. using the berries. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we've used elderberry as a remedy for a long, 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 long mm. time. Mm. And we've used it for a long time because it works. So it's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So knowing about something as humble, if you like, but also as powerful... Mm as elder, which has goddess-like status and shouldn't be ignored, is actually a way of beating the big pharmaceutical companies. Let's make no bones about that. <laughs> I think if we can take control mm. of our own health, then, you know, that, that's got to be a good thing. Mm. Right mm. here, underneath her feet, we have hairy buttercress. Oh, oh that is beautiful. Oh, that's a gorgeous. king cup, isn't it? Yeah. That is rather beautiful. It's a kind of um, buttercup. Ah. That is absolutely gorgeous. So I'll take mm, that home, pop that in a vase. What we're looking at here is something called hairy bittercress, which you probably have in your garden. So anywhere where you're going to turn soil over, look, yep. you can see that the soil's been turned over here, can't you? Mm. This will congregate. Um, it's a kind of cabbage. Is it? Ooh, cabbage. So it's got a kind... Are you happy to eat this here? Yeah. To yeah. eat a little bit of it? Yeah. There you go. It has quite a strong mustardy taste. Ah, mustard, yeah. Do you like I mustard? Love spice. Ah, <laughs> good man. There we are. Oh, that's lovely. Mm, Thank you. Nice. It's good, isn't it? Mm. It's it's got a really almost. It's like a it's like purple sprouting broccoli. It is, yeah. Mm. It's got an almost wasabi-like kick mm. sometimes. This mm. stuff. You'll notice I'm eating the flowers as well. Oh, and I have have, flower. a, have a try yes, of the flower. It's actually sort of radishy, it is. isn't it? Yeah. It's a good flavour. You will have this in your garden, mm. um, for sure. 
Yeah, I'm um, delighted to know about that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. You will have done it. It's the kind of thing you normally just kind of turn over and chuck in the compost. Mm. You won't now, though, will you? No. And it's funny, when you learn about these plants, instead of seeing a weed or something that's a nuisance, you start to see something that is useful to you that tastes mm. really good and is a bit of a friend. Horsetail, not really um, something that you would necessarily forage for specifically, but um, this is one of the oldest plants we have on the planet. It's wow, silica rich. It's beautiful. And well. if you want to make a really decent plant food, please oh, don't plant this in your garden because it will go crazy and your oh, whole garden will be overtaken. Oh, right. That's called horsetail. That's what we've got so here. The same. This makes a really good plant food. So if you boil oh, it for oh. about 20 minutes, let it go cold mm -hmm. and then use it like you'd use a... A liquid sea, like a seaweed fertilizer, or sushi rice, or sushi rice. I wouldn't put sushi rice on the garden personally, but each to his own. Otto, just feed you with it. Can you guess how this earth has been indented like this down to this water? Sometimes there's cows in this field. So what they've done is they've stamped their way down here, gone to have a drink, turned all the soil over. So we've got this lovely hairy bittercress, thanks to them. Cows have just from here. I yes, think right, this yeah. looks to me like animals coming down to water, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Places that are really best for foraging is edge places. So hedgerows or mm. banks or walls or little settlements of trees like this are quite handy. Yeah. Because seeds it, can blow into places and they can lodge there. Yeah. River edges are of good as well. You yeah. often see Himalayan balsam growing along rivers because um, it's been carried down by the water. And you're going to stamp yeah. your shoes and oh, yeah. see what comes off. <laughs> oh, do you know what? I think I will do that. I think that would be quite useful. And it'll give me a chance to actually wash my boots, which doesn't happen very often. <laughs> <laughs> so would there be cattle in this field normally? Or? I have seen cows yeah. here from time to time. So I can yeah. see, look, there's a pet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That'll tell you. You can yeah. use those to start fires, you know. No, Dried out cow pats, yeah, because the yeah. first... Um, Ingestion is usually full of straw, and you know, and the straw dries out. Yeah, and then it's oh, really right. ready to go. Oh, oh, mudwort. Oh, Otto, you like the cabbagey stuff, don't you? Uh huh. Get, get your laughing gear around some of this. <laughs> we'll try that, that one, darling. What a pretty leaf. Now, the folk <coughs> this is Jack by the Hedge. You see, it's got a heart shaped leaf. When it's a big boy, Jack by the Hedge will grow to about a height of three feet or so. Uh huh. It's a cabbage family, and it will have lots of little clusters Brassica. of... Yes. So it grows in a lovely, very elegant spire shape. Mm. It's really tasty. Yeah, it's good, isn't Ooh, it? That's actually delicious and very different flavour. I mean, you can pick up that cabbage <coughs> You can, but it's taste, different but it's again. very different. Yeah. Um, it's more I've bitter. Some but in a really nice mm. way. Mm. That would be lovely in a salad. It is. Um, also, when this gets bigger, the leaves at the bottom are about the size of a sheet of A4, A5 paper. Oh, Rather yeah, tough and, and no, not so nice. No, not that. tough. Right. Not tough. Well, um, we use them to make dolmades. Oh, okay. um, you know, the stuffed vine leaves, except mm. use these instead. Mm. Um, they hold their flavour quite well during cooking, so it's a really lovely thing if you want to make a mash yeah. with um, spring onions and... and um, Jack by the hedge leaves. That's a really nice way wow. of using it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Little plant coming up here mm. is Himalayan balsam. Ah. So I can pull this straight out of the ground, I would imagine. Yeah, there it is. Oh, so okay. there it is. Um, wow. Highly invasive species. 
Having said that, we're looking at edible plants and every single bit of it is edible. Mm. This one is only, I would say, what would you say, maybe eight centimetres long, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. This will grow to my height mm -hmm. and above. I'm a Gosh. healthy five foot six and a half. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. And it has pink flowers, a bit like snapdragons. So this is the same family as the busy lizzie. Okay. And you can oh, see from the stem, it's a bit like a busy lizzie. Yeah, it's got that kind of transparent pinky this thing going yeah. on. This is just for lady. Uh, this is the plant that if you go close to it in the summer when it's just about to seed and um, the seed heads pop How everywhere. I just pulled it up. It was really easy. There you are. That's you are not to plant this in your garden. Why? Because it will spread everywhere and take over and oh. you don't want that. Oh, it's very beautiful and bees love it. They right. go absolutely so crazy it for it. Everything has, has yeah. its benefits. Yeah. I'm just going to plant it right And after here. all, you know, we brought this mm. from the Himalayas to Britain. So human beings did that. It probably would have got here somehow or other anyway. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's the planet that we live on and things do move around and that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. And we can't blame the plant for being a healthy Bigger survivor, no, really. Exactly. It's to be admired, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. I sometimes think that if we... If human beings tried to think more like an animal or more like a plant, we might have a better understanding. The amount of people who say to me, well, a weed is a plant just in the wrong place. Who says it's the wrong place? It grown there. <laughs> that plant doesn't right say place. it's in the wrong place. <laughs> yes. It's in the right place. And it's like if you're a fish in the sea, you can't see the water. Yeah. Uh -huh. So if we, could, if we just train ourselves to have a different point of view... Mm. about pretty much anything mm. i think that's it's really good fun for starters yes. <laughs> and it might teach us something secondly mm. so when yeah. we say invasive species or dangerous or toxic or whatever we have to bear in mind it's only human perspective that is telling us that yes well look this oh see there's some more fungi over here Bouncy gone. this is this is more turkey invasive. tail here What's he doing? Is he busy planting stuff? Yeah. More of the Jack by the Hedge. Ah, uh, yes, yes. This is not Jack by the Hedge. I don't know what it is, but oh, it's... Oh, yes. Also, I think this is a big ant's nest. Oh, let me see. Tell you what we've got here. Oh, look, this is fine. We've got a little bit of um, oh. wild garlic growing. You know, I said it's growing in a slightly unusual place. You've yes. picked this before, haven't you? Yes, we have. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Are you aware that the buds are edible as well as oh, the no, stems? Oh, okay. And leaves, rather. Okay. Have a try that. Mm. Oh, those are delicious. Aren't they good? Let me taste. Try that. So that's so the flower strong. bud. That's the best. Also, be bit. ready. It's quite. It's it's almost <laughs> hot. It's so oh, um, wow. so strong. Mm. It'll hit your taste buds in a minute. Wow, that is. Has it? <laughs> <laughs> um, this makes a really good kimchi. That's yeah, really that easy. That is strong. So yeah. leaves, salt. Mm. Pack down, mm. big jar, leave it. Really good for gut bacteria. Oh, damn. Mm. Um, so very, very easy to make. And of course, there's loads Sounds of wild garlic. The um, name for this is Allium ursinum, or it might be ursinum. I never know how to pronounce <laughs> these things. With the belief that bears, after hibernating, would roll out of their caves, mm. grab a paw full of this, and and eat it to, um, to kickstart their digestive system. Mm. I think it's really... A, Wonderful that this time of year, when we do need to kickstart our digestive, digestive systems, we've got all these leafy things that are really strongly flavoured, like the jack by the hedge and wild garlic. 
and the hairy bittercress and all these things that are just what we need yes, yeah, <laughs> at yeah. this time of year. So this stuff yeah. you probably have in your garden, it's called ground elder. Oh, yeah. It's really, really, the really ground common. Elder ground one. elder. You remember the elder tree? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember specifically the leaves, but they look very like these ones. So what I want you to do is pick uh, a nice, fresh, kind of shiny green looking leaf. Okay. That one would be good, for example. Mm. Oh, they've totally opened. Yeah, they're good when they've opened as well, mm. but to eat raw. There you go, nice try when they're fresh and young. So this is something else the Romans mm. brought with them and have left a legacy for thousands it's of gardeners. Almost, it's carroty. Mm. I think it's more celery. Celery, yeah. So thousands of gardeners trying to get rid of the stuff. Celery. Right. Celery. <laughs> and never get rid of it, so you may as well call it a crop. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And what happened is the Romans brought it here, so oh, what do yeah. we know? We know it must have been valuable for them to bring it with them. Yeah. So they used it as both a medicine and a, a you know, an edible herb. Mm -hmm. Then after the Romans had gone, the early Christian communities adopted this plant and would plant it. And, and sometimes folk too. names just sound a bit bonkers and then sometimes oh. they really tell you a story. So this, this plant has at least two names. Mm -hmm. Tell me if these names correlate. One is bishop's weed, and the other one is gout weed. Well, bishop's how, how... I'm saying nothing. How much does bishop <laughs> like to food? Except, <laughs> except that every bit of this plant, from the flower to the stem to the leaf to the root, is anti-rheumatoidal. Ah, okay. So it would have worked. Yes. We can test this now in a lab. Mm. Um, people weren't able to do that until relatively recently. Um, so you, you then start thinking about the first people who started using plants. How did they know? And I suspect that we, we have an instinct which is largely correct. Mm. I also suspect there would have been an awful lot of mistakes along the way. And, yes. Yeah. Yes. and we've got a lot to be thankful <laughs> for. I can see why the things we're still using actually work. Um, for example, rosehip does have a high content of vitamin C in it. Elderberry is really good against colds and flu and infections of that kind. Um, not all of the things are accurate, but the things that we've continued to use, um, we're using because they work. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about foraging, it isn't... It's not just about going to find plants to eat. It's about seeing the environment around you and appreciating it and noticing things. And then you get high points, like one day I found a £20 note fluttering in a hedgerow, which is definitely a bonus. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is it foraging? I don't know. I think Keo is growing there for you, just, yeah. to, just to pick. Yeah, um, so it's not just about a single-minded trudge through the countryside mm. looking for something to eat. There's so much more to it. Yeah. How did you get into doing this? I've always been interested in plants. Yeah. Uh, as a kid, like most kids, I like grubbing around for treasure. Yes. In the garden. Occasionally you'd find a penny or something like that. Yeah. Um, then I moved to Wales and we built a, built a recording studio and I realised that I was going to have to feed people because we were 15 miles away from the nearest anywhere. Yes. So I had gosh. to learn to cook double quick sharpish. Right. Love cooking, hate supermarkets, thought I'd supplement with foraged ingredients because yeah. they basically had a captive audience yes because yes. it was bands and they couldn't go anywhere <laughs> you're gonna eat your nipple so soup I, and that's I, it. there so i experimented and yeah. then i uh accidentally sort of became a writer i got a book deal before i'd even finished the synopsis and i wasn't looking for that fantastic i know Gosh. it's a that's brilliant. It is brilliant. I feel really lucky. 
And then my agent, uh, when I eventually got an agent, said, oh, you really like all this planty stuff. Why don't you do a planty book? Right. <laughs> and I said, well, there's a lot of them out there. Uh-huh. I said, well, let's give it a go anyway. And so we yeah. did, and uh, the Hedra handbook um, came out. Yeah. And I think the only thing it says in the Hedra handbook is this is not a foraging book. Right. Because I was worried that foraging seems too complicated. Sure. And I want to keep things really simple mm. so then people do it. Yeah. And people then started asking me to take them out for walks and I thought no one's going to want to do that. And we did yeah. Hay Festival and I think we had um, oh, 65 people on the first free but ticketed walk. Oh <laughs> Which is a bit of a baptism of fire. Yes. So that's how that all happened, mm. and people just started asking me to do it. So I did. So I feel really lucky that I've been able to take something that I really love and yeah. can kind of do it in my everyday life. Yes, absolutely wonderful. Really. Mm. This is what I wanted to show you, Anato and Juliet. Yeah. I can't work this out. Look at this tree. By the way, guys, yeah. what is what is strange in this picture? Here's the tree. What's going on with it? It's a bit wonky. It's a bit wonky. It's quite a huge wonky. split of the Not bottom. only that, but... Well, should we go a bit closer? Let's get a bit closer and see. Oh, there are some, a whole lot of shoes hanging from it. Yes. Yeah, oh. actually there are oh, lots, shoes. lots of shoes. Yes. I thought they were see. pigeons when we saw them from afar. Oh, they're shoes. Why are there shoes hanging? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it this morning. Yes. Ooh, oh, look. Oh, You'll like this. Ooh, Try that. that. Are you eating it? Do you like it? Mm-hmm. What does it taste like? Mm-hmm. A bit like lime. Lime. Oh, right. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, it is sour. This is lemon sorrel, wild lemon sorrel, specifically because it's wild. Um, you know, sorrel. Oh, it grows wild in places where we've got a slightly acidic soil. So look, here's another oh. big clump. Oh my goodness, no wonder you were Gosh, making that face lovely. up <laughs> Would you, oh, it's very fresh. Isn't, isn't it? So yeah. if you're... Do you eat fish? Mm-hmm. So mackerel. Yeah. This. Mm. Um, pounded up pestle and mortar, a little bit of salt and pepper as a mm. pesto on the side. I imagine that. Or you can also make this into a sorbet mm, or yeah. an ice cream. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lemony flavours. Um, yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's good. So this is called greater plantain. Yeah. And can you eat it? You can, but you're not going to. What I'm going to show you is something else. Oh, it ma- it's making your hands green. Yes, isn't it? Now then. Really wow. green and oh really squadgy. Really <laughs> now then, can I teach you how to smell? Yeah. Okay. If I want to smell a plant, I cup it in my hands like this and I go, <gasps> I smell really hard and really fast. Uh, okay. So you're getting the fastest message to your brain. Excellent. Well done. Does it smell of anything similar? More familiar? Spinach. I would say mushroom. Does it mushroom? smell mushroom. Okay. like yeah. mushrooms? Oh, yeah. What do you think? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you wanted to use this mushroomy flavour, yeah. all you need to do is wash the leaves and oh. pop them on the top of your risotto at the oh. end of the cooking time and let it, let it infuse. Oh. Okay. Also, you see my hands have got a lovely shade of... Yes. Grassy green. <laughs> it's not the dye content of it that's in, that's interesting with this. It's um, that it's used in quite a lot of hand creams. Oh, okay. So the thing which oh, is a okay. weed is to be found in lots of um, really quite hands. expensive yeah. posh stuff. Right, right. What, also, is it because it's moisturising or because it's... It's very moisturising. It's also the best thing ever that I've found anyway against insect stings and bites. Oh. Oh. Absolutely phenomenal. Oh, My really? partner had... Um, 
he had a horse fly bite this bit of his neck, a really tender bit, just, you know, just by your throat. Yeah. And I made a poultice of this and made him hold it on, and it took about 10 minutes. Yeah. And when he removed it, all the incipient swelling, you know what a horse fly bite is like, um, had all just gone down. This has been used since time immemorial for that. And also, greater plantain is one of those plants that we know went all the way from Europe Mm. to the Americas Mm. on the soles of the boots and the trouser turnips of the settlers. Ah. Um, So again, this this plant has carried its story Mm. all around the world very distinctively. Thinking of your evening meal for Sunday, for example. Yeah. Would you deliberately go out and try to find something in particular? I always eat you... something that I've Is found. It... Yeah, oh, okay. We always yeah. have something that we've found on the table. Yeah. And we are on occasion do a pop up restaurant called A Thousand Footsteps where all the ingredients have to come from within a thousand footsteps. Ah, what a lovely idea. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Works better in the mushroom season. Yes. <laughs> I have to it's say, but it's thing. kind of. It, for me, it just makes me happy going out and picking something. You know, I grew a lot of stuff in the garden as well. Yeah. But I love seeing the wild stuff because it's part of yeah. It's part of my story as a human being, mm. um, and I like to keep in touch with all that. Yeah. And we can yes. continue. That story continues, doesn't it? Absolutely. With every step and every mouthful. Yes. And I think it's brilliant that there, there was, there's a resurgence <laughs> in interest about foraging because yes. that, that part of that bigger picture yes. is us doing that reaching out to nature and wanting to meet it at least halfway. Thank you for listening to the second and final instalment of BBC Country Farm Magazine's podcast with foraging hero and author Adele Nozida. For more information on Adele's workshops, go to brickandbeaconsforaging.com. For articles on foraging, including month-by-month foraging guides, go to countryfile.com. Do let us know what you thought of the podcast, or just get in touch if you have podcast ideas for us. Email editor at countryfile.com. Dot com.